Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Oh, 
get the spiritual juices flowing, huh? We're going to need it. The days are dark out there. We need to get bright in here, right? Shine light. And now's a perfect opportunity to live as a Christian should. To show that we belong to Jesus. Amen? There's so much of an easy distinction now, the way the world's going, that if you truly want to represent Jesus properly, now is the time. Now is the time to put away the cares of the world and the ways of the flesh. All right, how's everybody doing tonight? I don't know, it seems like I've been here for, I've been like, I need to get this more and more, like I like long for it. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad I'm here. Because as we, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the spirit and how we have to fulfill, we have to fill our spiritual need with the word of God. Okay. Now, any cares of the world, just put them aside. We're going to let the spirit take over, right? Pay attention. We'll get an awesome message tonight through the Holy Spirit. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's an awesome scripture, and it's going to tie in even what we're going to be talking about tonight. So it's just it's just amazing how the Bible's confirmation, God confirms things to me all the time. And I know it's an important message because of the, the day the devil was over me all day. I know, I know. I know when it's important. Tries to scramble me up. But he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen. I have the power of God living in me. He didn't give me a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. I'll tell you, sometimes the devil wants me to have scrambled eggs going on in my head and confusing me. You know, I can't connect anything. But that ain't from God. My God is stronger than that. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. All right, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Is everybody there? Let's back up one. Verse 2. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now, we all know we need grace and peace each and every day, right? God offers comfort to all. Verse 3. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. So the Bible is telling us that God is our merciful Father and He is the source of all comfort. Now, as a believer, God is the source we go to run to for comfort. Now, if you're running to the world for comfort as a Christian, it just will not work. You'll find yourself insatiable God will give you more of a want out there and you can't get gratified out there because he says he's the source of all comfort for his children to every believer he's the source of comfort if you're running to any other comfort you are not going to be God is not going to let you be comfortable with that and it's never going to be filled there's always going to be a void it's insatiable he's the only one that can fill the void amen? amen and the bible tells us clearly that but us as being human, we always try to fill it ourselves first and find out that it has no effect and it gives us what? Sadness instead of gladness. Okay, now look what it says. He comforts us in all our troubles 
Now, once you let, see, once you mature and grow spiritually and let he become the source of comfort, now it says he comforts us all in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. See, it's not a selfish thing. We get comfort from the Lord and experience that comfort when we go to him. So we could what? Comfort others with that. For people that might be reaching for the world, for things, for comfort, you could tell them, look, no, I have a better way, a better source of comfort. And this is how it works for me. I run to the Lord. But if you're not running to him for comfort, you can't offer that comfort to anybody else. So that's why you have to grow and offer that comfort. Say, well, I have comfort in the Lord. But you really have to, because if you don't, then it's going to have no effect on the unbelieving world. First, you have to let that comfort you. You have to extinguish every other possibility out there, which I already did and still live to tell about it, because none of that could comfort me. It was killing me. It wasn't comforting me. Now it says, so we can comfort others. You see how the Bible is it's not just about you anymore. And you're, you, oh, I need to get comforted. No, you get comforted for a different purpose now. You get comforted so you can comfort others. Now, when you've got the right heart and right spirit, you can, when that source of comfort comes, you'll want to give comfort to others. You will not want to keep that. It will it'll overflow out of your life into someone else's. Amen? And that's how we build this church. But if you're not, if you're uncomfortable, how could you offer comfort in the Word of God? If you're not getting comfort from it. Or if you're going to some other kind of comfort. Not southern comfort, by the way, either. Because that's definitely not the right comfort. If you think that that's comforting you, and don't tell me that God is your source of comfort if you're using that for comfort. <laughs> I think it's fair I throw that in there. Because a lot of people run to that for comfort. As a Christian, <clears throat> he's the source of comfort. And until you go to him, you'll never be comfortable with that. That's why people get all kinds of addictions because it's insatiable. They're going to have more and more and more and they end up getting entrapped by it because they can't get enough of it. Can I get an amen for that? Okay. Look what it says. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Do you see? It doesn't say if they are troubled. It says when they are. So everybody gets in, it has troubles. How about, did everybody have a perfect day today? How was everybody's day? You're perfect in God's eyes. But boy, did I get tested today. And I did well. It is well with my soul. You know why? Because I said, Lord, the Lord's testing me today. He says, look, if I'm going to use you as an instrument to glorify me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after me so you can actually be of use to build my kingdom. I had to what? Resist. Submit. So I could be of use to him. Amen? And it's not easy. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. At any given time, we could fall prey to it. But I know when it's on a, on a night that I have to teach and preach, that I have to stay pure. So the message will flow through me and reach you in the simplicity and clearly. Amen? So, thank you, Jesus. I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that in my own power. I have to humble myself every day to God. I said, Lord, 
You want to use me, you're going to have to give me the power. Because I can't do it. And then he does. Because I'm in the right spirit, the right motive. Now he says, now look what it says in verse 5. For the more we suffer for Christ, listen to this, this is like a, listen to what he says here. Just grasp it. The more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with comfort. Through Christ. You see, the more we suffer for Christ's sake, right? The more he will shower us with his comfort when we go to him for comfort. When you go to him for comfort. But you have to go to him for comfort. Through Christ, which is through the word. See, Christ is the word. The word of God is our source of comfort. That's what he's trying to tell us. It's the word of God. If you're not going to the word of God as a source of comfort, then you are going to the world for a source of comfort, and it just does not work. And until you extinguish all the possibilities, you're going to keep running to the world. This is serious stuff, because times are growing dark. Darker and darker out there. We need to shine some light as Christians. We need to be examples of what we learn when we come to Bible study, right? Just like going to school, right? Learning everything you do, and then going to get a job doing something else, and never ever using the ability that God's gifted you to use. Can I get an amen? All right. Now look what it says in verse 6. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort in salvation. So when I'm weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort in salvation. Look at it. For when we ourselves are comforted, we can certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. Amen? Oh, it takes a lot of patience, right, to endure. Did anybody go through any suffering today? Sometimes we don't understand. We say, God, why? Why do I have to suffer? It just says it right here. So we can suffer so we can get comfort from him. If there's no, if there, if there's no need for him, so usually through suffering is when we come to him. Amen. All right, so we are studying the book. That was a great scripture, Mary. And it ties in to, with the spirit, you know. I'm going to explain a little bit about the spirit tonight and how we can tie this in. Let's go to John chapter 4 where we, we left off. I'm going to read a little bit there. Then I have to, another scripture I want to take you to. Remember, he was talking to the Samaritan woman, remember? Now we're going to start, we're going to back up to there. To verse, uh, we're going to go to verse 7. Let's go to 7. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. So that right there shows you his humanity. He was thirsty. He needed water. So Jesus became fully, God became fully human. There's a testimony right there. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. <clears throat> the woman was surprised. For Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans, okay? I'm going to expand on that a little bit so we can get into why they had that, okay? But let's just, let's just get this, let's, I want you to get this, this other thing first that the Spirit was speaking to me. All right. 
she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Now, she was a Samaritan, and he said, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Now, she was a Gentile. She wasn't a Jew. So God right there was working through Jesus already, establishing that he was coming for the Gentiles too. Mm -hmm. You see it? God had a gift for her too. The gift of what? Eternal life. That's why the Gospels are not just for the Jews. The Gospels are for us too. Jesus was talking to Gentiles through the whole, all the Gospels. All the Bible is for us. Okay? All of it is. From Genesis to Revelation. And don't let anybody tell you differently. Amen? And every principle in there applies to us. Now listen what it says. The woman was surprised, verse 9. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans, okay? Jesus replied, we'll go to verse 10. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Now that is a powerful message right there. But do you see how he approached her though? To get salvation, he was he was hitting at something that was enticing, something that somebody would want, living water. Listen how he did it. That's a great principle here. Look, it says, <laughs> I love what he says here. Um, Jesus, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty. Verse 14, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a what? A fresh, bubbling spring within them. Giving them eternal life. Imagine. Please, sir, the woman said. Give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. She didn't understand, right? Before we go there, I, don't want, to, I want us to go, all right? We're going to talk. I want us to go to Romans chapter 8, okay? I want to show us something there. God wrote this on my heart to share with you, and I'm gonna. See, now, we know that we still have to drink water to feed our physical bodies, correct? But now, see, we have a spiritual need that we try to fill with outward things with the wrong water okay this is why we have we overindulge in things because all right let me just read this okay this let the bible speak all right i'll explain it to you clear as i get it okay look at verse five 
Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Is everybody there? This is, if you pay attention, you're going to get something really awesome out of this. And you're going to understand the difference and how we need both. Okay? And this is why people get, get lost with this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, okay, think about sinful things. So, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. Now he's saying something here in verse 6. So letting your sinful nature or the human spirit control your mind, listen, leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Okay? Now just stay with me. Is everybody still with me here? For the sinful nature or the human spirit is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. See, so you cannot please God in the flesh. The Bible's telling us clearly, if it's still controlling you, you can't please God with your sin nature. No matter what you do. You can come to church, do religious activities, all these things, that you can't please God in the flesh. Can I get an amen for that? He's telling us clearly you can't. Now listen. Verse 9. Look at the Bible but right here. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. Now listen now. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. Right? Now listen. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life, or your spirit is alive, because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Can I get an amen for that? The Spirit of God lives in each and every believer. Now look what it says. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. See it? For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, right? The deeds you, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit, listen now. Listen what it says now. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. What's leading you? Ask yourself, what's leading you? What's controlling your mind right now? It says, doesn't it say it right here? If you let your sinful nature control your mind, it leads to death. But if you let your spirit control your mind, it gives you life and peace. So now you have two forces. You've got... Something that has to control your mind. Now, we're under a new control system now. Remember? All right, let me explain this to you a little bit now. Now, is everybody with me so far? Yeah. Say amen now. Amen. Pay attention. The believer in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, okay, is one who is under a new control system, okay, in place. Has a new control. The Holy Spirit puts all of the appetites, desires, and impulses of the flesh under the command of the Spirit. 
Okay, now listen. The divine order of our own creation, spirit over soul over body, is reestablished. Now listen. When that happens, we can experience wholeness. The rebellion, therefore, that keeps us from being whole is a rebellion of the spirit. The things that stand as obstacles to our being made whole are ultimately things in the spirit. Among some of them, lack of trust, pride, greed, anger, jealousy, hatred, bitterness, fear, anxiety, and depression. If you're letting that spirit control you, that is the spirit of your flesh controlling you. You are not letting the spirit of God control you. Because when the spirit of God controls you, that's when you come under command of the spirit and all your appetites are never overindulged anymore. Think about this now. When, you, when you're hungry, physically, you know you have to eat, right? But when you're hungry spiritually, you try to fill the hunger spiritual with food. You see, that's why people overindulge. When you feed the spirit, now the things of the, the, the flesh are under control of the spirit where you only eat the things that need for your physical body. You're not trying to feed your spirit with something of the world. You get it? You're feeding that with the word of God. Now when you feed your spirit with the word of God, and then when you go to have something to eat, you don't have to overeat because it's, all you're doing is feeding your physical body. You don't have to feed your spirit with the food anymore. You understand? You have to feed that with the word of God. So now your appetites are under control and your desires are under control because you're feeding the spirit with the right thing, the word of God, and not food. We're trying to fill a need that only God can fill. That's why we overindulge. But we're under control of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to overindulge because you're full. When you get the word of God and that fills you, now when you go to eat, you're only eating a... To, um, to, to satisfy your physical need, not your spiritual need. You understand? That has to come under control of the spirit. And that's why we overindulge. But please listen to me. We need both. You still have to drink water, but you need the living water to feed your spirit, not the things of the world. So you have to under, uh, understand the distinction. You still have to eat and drink to survive. But that's not all. Jesus said, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. See, a born-again believer knows something about that. And now you have the power to have what they call self-control. Not willpower. Now it's self-control. You know when you feed your body, you just feed it what it needs. and You don't have to overfeed it because your spiritual need is filled. Can I get an amen for that? But if you don't fill your spiritual need, you're going to go and indulge in food or something else or something of the world to fill that void. And then you can't moderate anything. Everything's over. Overspending, over shopping, over everything because it's under the control of the flesh. It's not under the control of the spirit. You see? So that's how you know if you're growing or not. When you don't have to overindulge in anything to fill the void. Because Jesus fills that peace. See, but you need both. See, this is where people get messed up. You need both. See, you still need the physical, because we have these physical bodies. But you need the spiritual too. See, what people do, they overindulge in either one. 
they overindulge spiritually and neglect their responsibilities like the Thessalonians were doing. Oh, Jesus is coming back. I'm going to quit my job and just wait for his return. We'll do everything in the spirit. And then you got the other ones that do everything in the flesh and nothing in the spirit. And they can't just meet it in the middle where God controls your appetites. Can I get an amen for that? And you see, that's how you know. Listen, that's how you know when you're growing spiritually, when you can put that under control. It's called self-control. When you can keep your mouth shut when you know you should. When God puts somebody in front of you that's rubbing you the wrong way, you zip it. Because looking, you guys are in school being taught this stuff. Don't use, don't be immature. You, God's going to hold you more accountable. Because you, you've been enlightened to do it. Can I get an amen? Listen, you can't claim ignorance anymore. This is becoming clearer and clearer to me. The spirit life and to be, a, to, to be able to balance this instead of over in either category. You got it? That's why when the church opens, people should be here, get their spiritual need filled because you can't get your spiritual need filled once a, day, once a week. That the physical is going to take over and feed the spiritual. Don't tell me that you don't need to come to church. The Bible commands us to gather. Don't tell me that you're mature enough. If you're mature, you know you belong to a body. If you know your Bible. And you stick to that body. As long as the word of God is being taught and we're growing in love for each other. Then you're there for each other. You don't, you don't say, oh, casual. No. God commands me to belong to a body. I belong there to help comfort my brothers and sisters. That's how you know if you're being, it says, those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. If your Spirit is leading you, it will lead you to church all the time. <laughs> if your flesh is leading you, it'll be, oh, I'm tired, I'm busy, I have to work late, this, that, the other thing. You get it? Loud and clear, right? It's very simple. It says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Is that hard to grasp? If you let, if you let the flesh lead you, right, you won't be in church, you won't be opening your Bible, and you won't be what? Talking to people about Jesus. You'll be trying to fill your need. That's how you know if you're growing. When you say, God is first in my life. And so are my brothers and sisters. Because we are all connected to Christ's body. It's got nothing to do with my self-indulgence anymore. My self-indulgence my, my self comes under the command of the Spirit now. So my sinful nature won't take over. Can I get an amen for that? Did right. we get in this? Good. Let's go back to John now. And... Oh, man, you know, when the, when the Lord speaks to me, it's like sometimes I'm like, I don't have, I don't have like a Pentium a, 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 a 10 processor in my head. It's like, he's trying to fill me with all this stuff. And I'm like, Lord, please, easy on me. I can't get it all at once. Give me little tidbits, please. You know, because I, I, it's just too much to process. But it's good, isn't it? All right, let me just talk about this, uh, Samaritan stuff, okay? 
Because Jesus was beginning his ministry now, just listen to me now. It wasn't yet time to confront these leaders openly. That's why in the beginning of the passage. So he left Jerusalem and traveled north towards Galilee. To go from the territory to Judea to, Ga of Ga Judea to Galilee meant passing through a central territory called Samaria. Okay? Most Jews did everything they could to avoid traveling through Samaria. Fell to the Assyrians, many Jews were deported to Assyria, and foreigners were brought in to settle in the land to keep the peace. Second Kings. The intermarriage between those foreigners and the remaining Jews resulted in a mixed race. This is what happened. Impure in opinion of Jews who lived in the southern kingdom. Thus, the pure Jews hated this mixed race called Samaritans because they felt that their fellow Jews who had intermarried had betrayed their people and nation. Okay? That's why. The Samaritans had to set up an alternate center for worship on Mount Gerizim. Okay? Parallel to the temple at Jerusalem, but it had been destroyed 150 years earlier. While there was long-standing prejudice between Jews and Samaritans, Jesus did not live by such restrictions. The route to Samaria was shorter, and that was the route he took. Jacob's well was on the property originally owned by Jacob, like it says in Genesis 33, verse 18 and 19. It was not a spring-fed well. Okay, but a well into which water seeped from rain and dew collecting at the bottom. Wells were almost always located outside the city along the main road. Twice each day, morning and evening, women came to draw water. Okay, this woman came at noon, however, probably to avoid meeting people who knew her reputation. Are you with me so far? <laughs> Jesus gave this women, woman an extraordinary message, okay, about fresh and pure water that would quench her spiritual thirst forever, okay? This woman was a Samaritan, a member of the hated mixed race, was known to be living in sin, okay, was in a public place. No respectable Jewish man would talk to a woman under such circumstances, but Jesus did. You see, he was already breaking that. Jesus did. The good news is for every person, no matter what, his or her race, social position, or past sins. Can I get an amen? amen? We must be prepared to share this good news at any time and in any place. Jesus crossed all barriers to share the good news. And we who follow him must do no less. What did Jesus mean by living water? In the Old Testament, many verses speak of thirsting after God. Listen to me now. I'm going to explain it to you. Thirsting after God. Okay. In the Old Testament, right? God as one thirst for water. Psalm 42, 1. Isaiah 55, 1. Jeremiah 2.13, Zechariah 13.1, God is called the fountain of life in Psalm 36.9, and the fountain of living water in Jeremiah 17.13, okay? In saying he would bring living water that could forever qu quench a person's thirst for God, Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah, 
Can I get an amen for that? Jesus, I'm, only the Messiah could give this gift that satisfy the soul's desire. Many spiritual functions parallel physical functions. As our bodies hunger and thirst, so do our souls. But our souls need spiritual food and water. The woman confused the two kinds of water, perhaps because no one had ever talked with her about her spiritual hunger and thirst before. Now, how about you? How about the people out there? They don't understand their spiritual hunger either. It's up to us to explain living water instead of telling people, you need Jesus. There's got to be another way to get it out there. You see, Jesus said, I give you living water. He said, he didn't go up to him and say, I'm the, uh, you need me. He, he, he gave her something she was attracted to. You know what most Christians do? They beat people up with passages. You know, you've got to believe in Jesus or you're going to hell. You know, that's what's missing in your life, Jesus. Instead of just being, how can I approach this with a life? First, you have to what? Befriend somebody before you can even tell them about Jesus. You don't just jump right in it. There's got to be, there's got to be what? There's got to be something, there's got to be, you can say, I want to do this. I want to let the Holy Spirit do this. How many people in your life do you have an opportunity to tell about Jesus and never say a word? Got quiet. All of us are guilty of that. But God sends us out on a mission field every day to proclaim this message of living water. But let me tell you something. If you're not the living water, people don't want to hear it. You have to become the living water. First you have to learn about God and become a believer. And then you shine light. Instead of misery. Are you one of them Christians that go out into the world miserable and barking and complaining and talking about things of the world all the time? Well, people ain't going to see Jesus there. Can I get any man? Listen, this is a real church here. Look, if you, don't, if you don't want the real word of God and you don't want to grow and become mature, maybe you came to the wrong place. But this place is designed to change you into the image of Jesus. And if you don't like that, you may not be belong here. Because let me tell you something. That's what every church's goal is. You to become like Christ and you to belong to a body. Don't think that you could be like a soldier that's freelancing wherever you want. That's not God's kids. God's kids don't do that. They what? They're structured. And they're disciplined. And they follow him. They hear my sheep, hear my voice. And they come. And you know when you come here, we do nothing about talk about Jesus in the Bible. That's the core of this ministry. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you realize the power that each and every one of us have? But when you reach for the world for comfort and tell me that you have Jesus controlling your life, you are lying. You are lying. If you're reaching for the world for anything else but Jesus, you are lying. Don't tell me that Jesus is Lord of your life. Either money is, sex, drugs, whatever it might be, that you're still coming to church and doing with both, like this. Don't tell me Jesus is controlling you. Your flesh is controlling you. You can't have both. A follower of Jesus Christ starts to put to death the things of the flesh. And starts to live by the Spirit. Amen? Don't get it wrong. Or else the Bible says, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. If you don't, then you'll never live for Him. You'll never live for Jesus because you don't have the Spirit of God in you.
So if you never become a believer, then you never had the Spirit of God in you. There's no way around it. He never stops. I don't know about you, I get nudged. I, I don't know how many times I get nudged every day. Back into position. You cannot be a believer and not grow. You have to, either what he's going to want. Either you're going to go this way, or you're going to come this way. And when you keep coming this way, things start to change in your life. There's no way around it. I thirst for this more than I thirst for... I didn't eat, I didn't eat nothing yet today. Nothing. You know why? Because that keeps me clear-minded. What do you think they fast in the Bible for? To hear from God. They fast to hear from God. Because they need their spiritual need filled before their physical need. You understand? When you get your spiritual need filled before your physical need, when you go to meet your physical need, it's under control now. You don't have to overindulge in anything or reach for anything else. You just, just to exist. Amen? That's what spiritual growth is all about. You don't need a lot of money. You don't need a lot of stuff. You don't need, you start to like saying, what? Now I start to look, because I got too much stuff. I look, I can't, I wear three or four things and I got 34 things. They sit in the closet thinking, I might, oh, I might wear these someday. Really, I mean, they're turning like green. I mean, they were yellow. It's like, what the heck? You know what I'm talking about, right? This is get real here. We come to church all the time, but you know what I'm talking about. We still do worldly stuff. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Jesus, Jesus gives us more power than that. Can I get an amen for that? Look, I want his stuff now. I don't need my stuff. My stuff doesn't do nothing. My stuff causes trouble. Right? All right. Let's go to, uh, let's keep reading some scripture now. You getting the message so far? Are we getting this? This is awesome. Listen. Let's go to, um, where do we leave off at verse, uh, Yeah, we left at 15. Is everybody back in John over there? Yeah. Is everybody paying attention? Yes. Thank you. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit's in you, and the Spirit is speaking to you. You pay attention. Because you know the Spirit is speaking. Because if you don't, then you're going to miss your spiritual food, and then you're going to go do something else and overindulge in something else. You have to what? Go on the command of it. Look what it says. I love 15. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. Isn't that awesome? And I won't have to come here to get water. <laughs> I love what Jesus said. Go get your husband. Jesus told her, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. So you see how Jesus comes? He comes for what? Sinners. Sinners. You certainly spoke the truth. Look at verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Well, I was just explained the Samaria's claim is here at Mount Gerizim. Or Greek on this mountain where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming where it no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Right? We know that. We can go to him anywhere now, right? Yeah. 
You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Listen, the truth of God's word. Like I said before, the human spirit has false truth. It's a lie. God's word is the ultimate truth. Now look what it says. Spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is the spirit. Now listen what it says right here. God is the spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who was called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Imagine Imagine, imagine what, because she knew, she must have said, I didn't even know. She was staring, right? Look, 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 or I am is here, or I am the Lord. Greek reads, I am the one speaking to you, as it says in Exodus 3.14. Then his disciples came back. Here we go. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water job beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Last week I said the convictor. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Listen to this now. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. See it? Guess what? We know all about it. Are you getting your spiritual meal? Is the question. Not only when you're here, when you're not here. Believe me, we provide every opportunity for you to get spiritually nourished through this ministry. I provide the podcast for everybody to read through the Bible with me in a year. I'm reading it myself for you and to you. Right? And we have the podcast for these messages that come up all the time. And there's, there's no reason why you can't get fed spiritually every day. Amen. And you don't have to go all over the place to get it. You can stay in one spot and get it and grow. <laughs> now look what it says. I have a kind of food you know. Look at verse 33. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So, your spiritual nourishment comes from doing God's will, not yours. See, when you go out into the world and do God's will is how you get fed spiritually. Not you. When you feed yourself, you're feeding your flesh. When you go after money or anything else, you're not going after Jesus. You're counting on that for your comfort. Do you really think money's going to keep you safe? Really? No. Money? It's, it, it's. I don't even have it. Oh. I mean, it's, my, my wife will tell you, I don't care about money. I go to work because I gotta, you got to pay the bills. See, but that doesn't consume me. I don't have to always be, how much do I got? And what is this? And I don't have to be focusing on that. I focus on Jesus. And what he'd have me to do to get people to heaven. Because that's what comes with me. The money don't. The money don't come with us. I love it. Look, look, let's just keep reading a little bit here. 
My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. Now, if you're not doing God's will, you're not going to get spiritual nourishment. You're going to get your nourishment and you're going to overindulge out there because you're not doing God's will. You're doing yours. And from finishing the work. So that means it ain't ever done. And don't I know it, boy. Boy, and I choked, believe me, when I took on this, I didn't even know. Count the cost. This thing takes everything out. I had to die to run the ministry. Everything that I ever did had to go. He said, if you're going to serve me, all that stuff's going to go. I said, really? I kind of like some of that stuff. He said, yeah, but it's got no value, John. <laughs> believe me, stick with me and I'm going to give you something way better. And now, he's all I need. He's all I need, me and my family. Look, I can come here every day with you and just me and you. Be the, and that, that would be all I needed. And a sandwich after. That's it. Because this is what keeps me from doing the wrong thing. It keeps me from going my will. It keeps me in fellowship with other believers. If you don't go after your gift, you'll always gift from what can you do for God, you'll always be after your own stuff. If you don't know what your gift is, yet, please, ask God to give it to you and start using it in a ministry. Use it. He gives you the, the operating rights to use it. You've been coming for a while and said, Lord, use me. No, he, he, at first you have to use him. Then, he's, then he turns it around and says, no, you, now you say use me now. Right? Now look what it says. Let's just keep reading and we're going to close. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. Look around you. Wake up. The fields are ready, already ripe. Greek white. For harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest, listen, the fruit you harvest is people brought to eternal life. Do you see it right here? If the harvest isn't more money, it's, if you're doing the right thing, it's bringing people to Jesus. Amen. That's the harvest. You don't get materially rich. There's ministries that say, you get the blessings of Abraham, you should have everything you want down here. That's not, I don't know what Bible they're reading, but that has nothing to do with it. Material wealth. It's getting people to Jesus. That's what fulfills your spiritual need. And boy, he puts some hard people in front of us, doesn't he? See, I ran out of water. So I got to open another bottle and drink out of this bottle. Jesus said, if you come to me, you'll never be thirsty again. So I have to keep coming to him to fill that other need. Or else, guess what? I'm going to fill it myself with something that's not good. Like lust. You know, sexual, sexual stuff is nasty. Or what? Overindulging in food or shopping and all that other stuff to try to fill something. So, let me tell you something. We need to grow up. We have to understand it. Listen, this ain't about filling my need. It's about fulfilling his needs. What he needs of us. And then when you see that, you say, you know what, I don't even want that anymore. Even when I want to do something wrong, now I can't do it. Like, I can't do it. I said, Lord, really? I want to do something wrong. He says, yeah, but you know what the consequences are. So if you want, he doesn't stop me. But I got to, listen, before it was a yield sign, before I went and do it, now I got a stop sign. Because I rolled through a lot of them, right? My yield, now, 
that stop sign analogy that I had to go through them stop signs really is helping me in my spiritual life too. Stop. Stop. Think. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Gives you the crossroad right there. Stop. Which way you want to go with this. You know where your desires are going. Stop now. Come back this way. And then say no. And when you do that, you strengthen the whole church. The whole church gets strengthened, not just you. The next time you want to do something for you, say, no, I'm doing it for my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that sexual nasty. I'm not going to do that overindulgent. I'm not going to go buy that extra stuff. And I'm going to do it to glorify God and help his church get stronger. And then you say, wow, I got a purpose now. I don't have to do it for the glory of God and my brothers and sisters. Because you see them everywhere now. See, when your eyes are open, especially, I see you guys everywhere. So when I want to do something dark, the light comes on. Say, no, look, you're in Bible study. The light comes on. It's always on. And then I don't go dark. You get it? All right. Let's stop there. So we, we ended at verse 37. We'll, we'll pick up there when we get together again, all right? Thank you for letting me share that. I hope I gave you something that you can take with you. God is so good. He wants to keep us, our appetites under control. All right, we're going to stand and worship. The girls are going to come up and sing for us again, and we're going to close.
Amen. Just remember, we're children of the King. Let's live worthy of the call. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Till we meet again. God bless. Peace.